LSU stuns Auburn in the Plains. The Saints escape, survive at home against hapless Cleveland. And Tulane, Tulane, what are we going to do with you, Tulane? They drop a heartbreaker in Birmingham. This is on Football. I'll be right back. Someone once said, I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. LSU 22, Auburn 21. Even though I picked LSU to win, I was still shocked and pleasantly surprised at the outcome. And it fell, the game plan fell exactly the way Coach Ogeron, Steve Insming, offensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, defensive coordinator, played it out. Let the defense keep you in the game to the fourth quarter, get it to a one-possession game, get a stop, get the ball, down one possession, and go ahead in and take the victory. And that's the way it happened, and that's the way uh, – I mean, that's just uh, unbelievable. I thought when I picked LSU to win, I said I had a feeling. Well, that was the feeling I had. The LSU's defense was going to keep out, keep the Tigers, the Baton Rouge Tigers, one score, within one score, into the fourth quarter. And when you're the home team and you're the favorite and you're a top ten team, and the crowd has been rocking all the entire game. And you're pretty much not dominating. But you haven't put that team quite away yet. Especially in college football. You can feel the tide start to turn. And you start getting a little nervous. And you start pushing a little bit. And the more the team you should have put away hangs in there, the more nervous your team your uh, you get, your team gets, your coaching staff gets. So, um, listen, <laughs> the way the game started, LSU jumps on top ten nothing. Man, I thought I was a genius. Oh, I picked LSU, but. As Auburn got the sea legs and the defense settled then for Auburn and um, this began to stop LSU a few times, you knew it was only a matter of time that Auburn's offense against a, a, a defense, an LSU defense that had to keep going back onto the field for constant three and outs was going to create something. And um, actually, they did get... Uh, I don't know, they had a lot of help, too, from the referees. I mean, there was, I don't want to say the referees, but there was two third downs in the first half that made a difference. Uh, the rough and the passer and the uh, another third down that uh, Auburn converted, which led to, their, to both their touchdowns in the first half, uh, two of their touchdowns in the first half. So um, Well, actually, they only scored two touchdowns in the first half, and then they scored a touchdown in the early in the third quarter, which made it twenty-one to ten at that point. And that's when LSU, I thought that uh, Dave Aranda made greater uh, adjustments to keep Auburn from uh, 
adding any more points to that total. And, of course, Auburn had to miss field goal. But I wanted to get back to the situation of when you're favored in a game and the team keeps keeps hanging and you start to get nervous and things start to tighten up and it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where you keep telling yourself, we can't let this team beat us, we can't let this team beat us, and the next thing you know, (laughs) they're setting up for a 40-yard field goal for that team to beat you. But I want to get uh, talk about some great performances in that game. Of course, uh, you know, Grant Dalbert leads the game off with an interception, a second play of the game. Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams, uh, he makes a great interception. Auburn's kind of get, get something going. Uh, great fourth down stop by Devin White, who just continues to, to flash his uh, All-American status. And the play of the game was the long pass from Burrow to Dillon, which uh, even though it didn't give LSU the lead, I think it just shocked Auburn into disbelief. The whole crowd, you could feel the whole, you could sense everything start to deflate and go flat for Auburn at that point. Uh, They couldn't respond. LSU picked up their intensity on defense. And uh, you just knew every time Auburn had to punt to LSU that you just kept giving, you kept keeping the Tigers in the game, LSU Tigers in the game, and they were going to do something. And I can't express my, imp- uh, how do I don't put this, my, uh, I just was so impressed with the way Joe Burrow has kept his composure these last few games. He's a guy you can't look at stats with Burrow. You got to throw those things out. You got to throw stats out the window because he's one of them guys. When the game's on the line, you want him with the ball because he. You feel like he's going to make something happen. He throws the bomb to Dylan. That is a pass. Danny Atling would not have even attempted because of the quarterback's greatest fear. What is his greatest fear? Is throwing an interception. He would have ate that ball. He would not have seen that window. And uh, I thought Dylan made a great play getting to the ball, bringing it in, and just outrunning the defense and not stepping out of bounds at around the 10. <laughs> and Burrow, who was just inaccurate enough to keep Auburn's defensive backs, I won't say overconfident, but confident in the cells that they didn't think Burrow could beat them. So maybe that has something to do with them being a little bit lax on that play to Dylan. Big play number one. Big play number two, third, and I guess it was around seven, six, seven, I'm not sure exactly. Burrow floats a pass over the defender to T to D Anderson at to the sideline, and he stays in bounds, stretches the ball across the first down marker. And then uh huge, huge play, fourth down. Burrow hits Stefan Sullivan. For the first down, right over the middle. Uh, just a great, I mean, uh, just a, a, a nice read. He kind of locked in on Sullivan, uh, but he, he he did what he had to do. He put it where only Sullivan could catch it, and, and Sullivan held on. Now, LSU was, uh, I was shocked. Shocked. LSU got uh, the benefit of a couple of calls 
in Alabama from the referees. They're probably fired now, with, uh, penalized for calling against an Alabama home team in the state of Alabama, but uh, got an interference call there late, which puts LSU in position to kick the game-winning field goal. So um, just a great win for LSU, a great program uh, win for Ogeron. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the but. I'm coming in with a but. Biggest test of Ogeron's season is this week. Louisiana Tech's coming up, keeping his team focused on the task at hand for beating Louisiana Tech, a team you should beat. Because I'm going to tell you, Louisiana Tech, they're not afraid to come to Baton Rouge. They've gone to other places. They've traveled other places and damn near upset some big-time teams in their house. So they're not afraid to go to Baton Rouge. Their players probably know a lot of LSU players played against them in high school. So they're not going to be intimidated. And a lot of those guys probably attended games in Tiger Stadium, either on recruiting cl- trips or growing up as kids, Tiger fans, or whatever. Uh, whatever. So Ogeron's biggest task now is to keep that team focused on beating Louisiana Tech, getting through this game, and then getting ready for, I guess, Ole Miss the following week. Okay, I'll be right back. Gonna talk about Tulane and then the Saints. Uh, hang in there. I'll be right back in just a sec. Okay, welcome back to Fazan on Football. Mike Fazan here. Now we're gonna get into Tulane. 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 Come on, Tulane. What are we gonna do with you, man? What's going on with you down there on Willow Street? Tulane, I thought this was the season. I had you going to a bowl game. Now, you got Ohio State. Now, you're, what are you, one and two? You got Ohio State. You're one and three. I can't pick you in any more games this season because you know why? I don't trust you. I can't trust you. You can't guarantee me. You can't have a game where you go in feeling confident. You can't rely on them, the Greenies. I'm sorry, I can't rely on you. You're playing a team in Birmingham, um, you uh, Alabama-Birmingham. That you're better than. You should be better than. Or at least you're equal to them, and the score uh, played out. Well, you, only, you only lose by a score, but it's a team who's just rebuilding their program. Uh, you're in the third year of Coach Fritz's program. You need to be winning these games, Tulane, if you're going to make that next step to being a bowl contender. But the problem is you just haven't learned how to win yet. You don't know how to win. You don't know how to handle a win. You don't know how to handle a close loss. Uh or a moral victory, as some people like to call it. Uh, you're just not disciplined enough yet as a program to learn how to win. And the only thing that teaches you how to win is to win games like the Wake Forest game. Uh, and last week, you're going into someone else's house. You should be better than this team. Your program should be more 
buttoned up by now, and um, you lose. I mean, you're a favorite on the road. That tells you something. Vegas has confidence in you. I had confidence in you. Well, what's the matter? What's the problem? Why you don't have confidence in yourself? You got to win these games, Tulane. You can't keep doing the same thing year after year after year after year. Somebody said that's the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I don't know what to tell you. All I can tell you is I can't trust you no more, Tulane. I can't do it. I can't trust you anymore. I can't rely on you. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care who's on the schedule. I don't care if you're playing Eco Classic High School. I can't trust you. I can't pick you. Until you start winning, until you start telling me or showing me that you've learned how to win. I mean, it's that simple. Coach Fritz, get your act together. Get you guys in line. You're a good coach. You've won every program you've been at. You got to get something. You got to get this group going, man. I mean, we all love you. We think you're a great coach. But it's time. It's time. We can't keep saying Fritz is a great coach and he's going to build a program at Tulane. This was the year you were going to take that next step and get to a bowl game and possibly win one. We know you started out with a bear, a cupboard that was really bare. But you got schedule. You got teams that are built into your schedule that are winnable, games that are winnable. You're not in a great, uh, a tough, tough conference. You're in a good conference, but not a great conference. But you're in a conference that you should, and you play uh, uh, out-of-conference games, that you should put enough games enough wins on your resume that you get this team to a bowl game. You're recruiting New Orleans, man. You're recruiting uh, South, uh, what are we, Southeast Texas. You're recruiting the Gulf Coast. Plenty of talent to go around. Plenty. You should be, uh, this, this team, this program needs to be on an uptick in, in, in this year, in this, uh, what is it, year three for your program, and you stay in status quo, man. You, that, that's not good enough. So, Coach Fritch, I'm talking about it's on you, man. You got to get these guys ready to play. You got to get them believing in themselves that they can go out and and beat a team like UA Birmingham on the road because their Tulane and Tulane's program should be better than theirs at this point. Case closed, period. I mean, that's all I can say. I can't say anything more. You got to beat this team. You got to win these type of games. I'm repeating myself. Because that's how strongly I feel about it. I feel so bad for guys like Ty Graffinini who who lives and dies on each and every play that he calls in the booth during a two-lane game because I know it kills him for games like this. You can hear it in his voice. And, you know, there's still a core two-lane, a core-based two-lane fans around here. It hurts when they lose, man. And they've been doing it. You've been doing it every year for, I don't know, I had... Shoot, I had a lot more hair on top of my head the last time Tulane had a really good football season. So that's saying something. Anyway, um, be right back. We'll touch on the Saints. We're going to go over the Saints game, uh, the Cleveland game, and look forward to Atlanta. Be right back. Let's present on football. Okay, welcome back to Fazan on Football. It's Mike Fazan. I'm sorry, no guest again this week. Uh, actually, I'm doing this podcast. Just got home from a vacation. 
So I'm putting an extra duty um, for this podcast because uh, here it is. I just got back. My wife and I had a nice little vacation, a little getaway for a few days. But I'm back. Anyway, beside the point. Saints game. Hmm. Saints. Let me say, let me just say this right off the bat about the Saints game. First of all, never apologize for winning. Never, ever, ever apologize for winning an NFL game. NFL games are so hard. It's tough to win the NFL. Ask anybody that's ever played, coached, general managed, anything that's had anything to do with an NFL football team. It is tough to win a game in the NFL. Much less one where you just try to give it away to an inferior opponent. I mean giving it away. From fumbles to missed opportunities, wide open receivers for touchdowns. To a defense that's just sleepwalking, man. That's all I can tell you. They sleepwalking for the first six, seven quarters of this season. Uh, just back. I just got back from... Uh, from Disney doing the Halloween thing in Disney. And I mean, I've seen zombies with more enthusiasm uh, than the Saints defense. More intensity. I mean, but you got to give it. Zombies never give up. They, they're slow. But they never stop going, uh, uh, pursuing their uh, victims, I guess. But, uh, I, I, you know... You can't apologize for winning in the NFL. Now, this game, I'm still going with the Saints. (laughs) I'm still going with my theory that I just think the Saints, especially on defense, just were not mentally prepared for the first two games of the season. I think they looked at the schedule just like fans do. And they're not going to say this. They're going to say, oh, no, we didn't. We don't take anybody lightly, blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you. Subconsciously, in those meetings, when those position coaches or the coordinators or they were breaking down film and telling the Saints how dangerous Tampa and Cleveland are, the defensive players did not believe them. They didn't. They didn't believe them. They did not believe them. And it shows on the field. It showed in the field. Listen, I'm not sold on Tampa yet. Everybody's on Tampa's bandwagon. I'm not. You got to give me more than a two-game sample where you kind of taking teams by surprise with uh, uh, Fitzpatrick lighting it up. So Tampa's defense is not good. They gave they gave up forty to the Saints. They gave up a, a few scores late against the Eagles. Uh, so Tampa's defense needs to improve a lot more for me because the NFL is going to catch up to Tampa's offense or what they're doing right now. So um, you can what you can do with Tampa is you got to stop the run and make Fitzgerald keep beat, Fitzpatrick keep beating, beating you, and I don't think he can do it over a sixteen game schedule. I don't think he can. Plus, when Winston comes back, what do you have? Now you're going to have locker room problems because Jameis Winston's not going to settle for coming back and sitting behind Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's just not going to settle for that. And if that is the case, he's going to start some stuff in that locker room. I can promise you that. Or if they pull Fitzpatrick and put Winston in, some of the players are going to think, wait a minute, we got something going here. 
So uh, why why you uh, breaking up this great chemistry you have just because Winston came back from a suspension that was his own doing? So I'm not sold on Tampa, Cleveland. Uh, they are what they are. I think the Saints completely overlooked them. Uh, it showed in their play. It showed in their lack of intensity, a lack of enthusiasm to play that game. And uh, you can't keep doing that. But that's my theory on the Saints season so far. It's all I got right now because I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. So right now I'm looking pretty dumb for picking the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. But it is what it is. But looking back on the Cleveland game, I mean, listen, Drew Brees, it, it, oh, how many times he misses a wide-open Ben Watson right there at that goal line? The Saints have run that play since Peyton and Brees have been together where they run a the play action, tight ends wide open, easy touchdown. Brees overthrows him. He, over, he underthrows Ted Ginn. Those two are still a year and a half, a year and two games in are not really on the same page when it comes to deep balls. Uh, either Breeze is holding on to the ball too long or, or Ginn's not running the the right, uh, correct route. I got to say it's Breeze because Breeze, he doesn't, he's never had great arm strength, so he's got to get rid of If he's going to Ginn, he can't, that can't be his third read. That should be number one <clears throat> right off the bat. And then uh, you miss a field goal. Will Lutz misses a 44-yard field goal, whatever that was. So, I mean, you have a lot of things. And then, uh, listen, they give up a fourth and 10. They give up a bomb for touchdown, big play to keep to, for Cleveland. Just when you thought the Saints were putting Cleveland away, big play against uh, the defense. <laughs> Ken Crawley, who I thought was a pretty good NFL defensive back, shows you how much I know. He's just uh, been a no-show for the first couple weeks. So, um, you know, you don't feel great about beating Cleveland, but once again, you beat them. You won the game, sure. Cleveland's kicker missed 700 field goals, wide left, wide left, right left. And then you knew right at the end he was going to overcompensate and go wide right, which is what happened. Um, So, but, uh, you know, you you take the win. You move on, you correct the mistakes that you have made or you try to correct the mistakes that you've made, and then you look at Atlanta coming up. Now, if the Saints can't get up to play Atlanta, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. If that defense doesn't come to play this weekend against Atlanta, they're going to get embarrassed even worse than they were against Tampa. Because Atlanta's got a, a legit quarterback, legit wide receivers, and a legit running game. Now, <clears throat> Atlanta's missing a couple starters on defense. Deion Jones, who's been one of the best linebackers in the league, was an MVP candidate last season. He's out for uh, about six, seven games. And then the safety, the starting safety, uh, was it Kuno? I forget his name. He He's out for the season, ACL. And I think they lost another one last week. And uh, De- Devontae Freeman's going to be out for some time. So they're down one of their running backs. So I think um, I think this is the game the Saints players subconsciously have been looking forward to, have been gearing toward. And uh, I think Breeze can do some damage against that defense who's already down two starters. And he's already, you know, he's owned Atlanta since he's been with the Saints. There's no reason why he can't keep going the way he's been. Uh, now the defense, 
I think this is the game. I'm hoping this is the game that they finally show up and be the team that they were last season when they were running around, making plays, causing turnovers, taking the team uh, group picture after the turnovers. Like you saw it come up in the Cleveland game last week after um, Marcus Williams' great interception. So we'll see. We shall see. But uh, I just think, man, it's time for the Saints to show up, especially on defense. And that's my uh, that's my pick. Now, as far as my picks, I'm going to take LSU over Louisiana Tech. I can't pick the Greenies until they show me. And I'm picking the Saints to beat Atlanta on the road. So those are my three. Those are my picks for this weekend. Um Sorry again for not having a guest, but uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling. This is kind of being, uh, kind of doing this one on the fly. I just got on vacation, like I said, and I wanted to get something in before the week was up and before all the games start uh, for the weekend. So uh, usually I'm putting this thing out. I'm publishing it on a Wednesday. Uh, but for now, uh, it's going to have to be today, which is Friday. But you could, you know, you can go back and listen to it. No big deal. Uh, and uh, the the services that are carrying my podcast, this podcast, is growing by leaps and bounds. I'm up to four or five services. So um, just keep listening. It's going to keep building. We'll keep doing things. I'm going to get some great guests on in the future and get this puppy rolling, baby. So for now, this is Mike Fazan, Fazan on football. Talk to you soon.